Welcome to the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that takes a look at all things marketing in the world of sports. Alongside Brian Cristiano, I'm Rob Cressy. I'd like to welcome Ishveen Anand, CEO and founder at Open Sponsorship, a sports marketing platform that connects brands and athletes to the sports marketing huddle. So I wanted to start with this. I want you to try and help us set the frame for how the sports uh, sponsorship landscape currently is within your platform and the value that can be had. So for example, on your site, you've got a case study. There's a cycling studio that wanted to generate more buzz and PR around their recently opened studios. So they connected with pro athletes to take classes in their studios. So help us understand what sort of value this delivered for the studio as well as for the pro athletes. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, essentially, sports sponsorship traditionally has been a, a game for the big boys to play. You know, you have to have million dollars. You have to be ready to commit to multi-year agreements. Um, you probably have to have a, an agency or a full team dedicated to this. And that just means that deals were not getting done um, for a ton of athletes, a ton of the like minor league teams and just loads of brands who just thought it was too complicated or too expensive. And so what we've done is come along and say, hey, you know that sports connects your company to the customers that you have. So let's take this uh, cycling studio, Psych Fitness. Obviously, all the guys that go to Psych Fitness, you know, they care about health. There's a high chance that they might follow at least one sport. If they're in a neighborhood, then there's definitely sporting icons that they look up to, um, all of the users for the, the cycling studio. And so we come along and say, hey, why not use athletes or use sports to promote yourself in a really interesting, fun way? But do it as a one-off. Do it as a test. Don't spend too much money and see the return. And that's really the value that we provide with open sponsorship. So are, are sponsorships like that supposed to be seen as a short-term blip on the radar or can some of these sponsors see more of a long-term value from this, even if they're only doing something once? Yeah, so our whole point is that you don't need um, one guy to be your brand ambassador year-round, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be using sports year-round. So if you actually look at the way our business model is set up, we charge a monthly subscription. Why? Because we want you to bake sports into a part of your marketing strategy. Like you would never just run a Facebook campaign for a week and then switch it off and go on to LinkedIn and then switch that off and go on to Google Ads. You start small and you grow it, you figure out what works, but you stick with the platform you've chosen. So sports works, right? That's why uh, your big banks, insurance companies, I mean, shoot beats, uh, Gatorade, all these companies have leveraged sports and grown huge. So it's not that sports should be a one-off thing. It's the fact that what you do, the athlete you use, maybe you don't need to use the same athlete week in, week out. But the point being is we can help you find another athlete and another athlete because there are so many out there. So let me ask you a question. As far as some of the relationships that are being created through your platform and the, some of the sponsorship deals that are being created, what are t what do they typically look like? Is it uh, promotion-based? Are the athletes talking on social media? Are they doing bigger things like commercials? What does that look like from an actual execution standpoint? Yeah, I'd say a lot of what we do is social um, because, you know, influencer marketing has become this big thing um, that I know Rob and I discussed earlier and where we not we're not an influencer marketing platform because you can come onto our platform and you can get an athlete to just 
turn up at a trade show for you or do a photo shoot. Do a, we recently did a radio ad uh, with Jarvis Landry. And so there's a lot that you can do, but I would say that social is um, something that is interesting. It's unique. It's cost-effective. It's easy to test and it's easy to judge ROI. So I would say that social is is about 75% of the deals that we're doing. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. And now, let me ask you another question because what's fascinating to me about this platform is, you know, traditionally, and and you know, you said this earlier that sponsorships are usually very complex, agency-driven, long-term deals with bigger uh, with bigger sponsors. But now that you're able to do this through a platform, and I can see who some of the athletes are that I have access to, in theory, um, does this speed up the process for small and large brands? A hundred percent. The reason being is because one, the negotiation on price comes down a lot. Now, there's always still a little bit of room, um, regardless of what you're doing, because let's say I am working with a peanut butter brand and they really want to work with a certain athlete and that athlete just doesn't like peanut butter. So if you want to work with them, you better, you, you know, the athlete's going to charge a bit more. Now, if that athlete loves peanut butter and eats it anyway then the chances are they're pretty excited about working with a brand that you know they're in line with or is in tune with their brand so there is a little bit of wiggle room there but when you we purposely create a transparent pricing model on our platform and we say it's about 90 percent accurate and that helps you get straight to the point of like can i afford you or not um let's not waste everyone's time where you know, I really want to work with Tom Brady, but there's no chance in hell I can afford him. Now seeing the price on that page for Tom Brady, you're like, okay, let's not even start that conversation. Right. And so you're you're being fully transparent with these numbers. Once you're in the platform, you can see what the cost would be to do different activations with them? Yeah. So we break down our athletes into, I think it's like six different ranges based on following an engagement. And now again, some people say that's controversial because following doesn't dictate everything. But let's be honest, in the real world, if someone is super famous, then the chances are his Instagram, Twitter, Facebook following probably reflects that. And so it's not that you, not every brand wants to go for the biggest. Like we're working with a mattress company that doesn't care so much about following, but cares about recognition. A great example is I think Nick Mangold of the um, the Jets, he doesn't have the biggest following because he's just not that active. And, and so the brand is ready to say, okay, I don't mind that because very recognizable, interesting looking and whatever it may be. So not everyone goes for that, but I'd say nowadays, nine, nine and a half out of 10 brands, they really do care about how big the following is because they use that as a proxy for popularity. But in your Nick Mangold example, if he's not overly active on social and they're like, that's okay, we just want the name recognition, what is the the results that they can deliver from that? Because that seems like it could be sort of a, a hollow sponsorship of saying, I just want somebody to be a part of this. Yeah, so I think the, the point being is that influencer marketing has made brands lazy. What they do is they say, um, you post on social media for me and then let me see the results and let me move on to the next. That's, and then sponsorship was the other way, which was I as a brand, I'm going to put in all of this effort, come up with the creative, do all the hard work, spend money on the back end. And I think there's something in the middle, which is, hey, I get that you will post on social and that's nice, but I should, I as a brand should be doing more than just seeing the result of that and moving on. So for example, let's go to Nick Mangle. He posts on social media. His following is not maybe that great. 
So he might not get the reach that you would get using someone else. But the point being is that if, because he's recognizable, because he's part of New York and this is a New York brand, then what happens is when they take that photo and they put it in their marketing newsletters and they put it on their website and they repurpose it, there's a greater um, ripple effect. And that's what we try and get across the brands is don't be lazy and don't think to do something and it's up to them and whatever they can drive they drive and we're not going to do anything no like you have to repurpose the content and the association in a smart way to to get more from it um the same way that you know back in the day when chase was using serena serena wasn't doing all that Chase was doing all the hard work and they were just leveraging the asset and the credibility that serena brought to the to the um partnership are there athletes that have a more engaged following uh compared to the ratio or the size of their social media profile so take the opposite of nick mangold what if someone is the 12th man on the bench for the warriors but everybody just loves him he's just straight crushing and by no means does he have the following of steph curry but the one thing that he does better than anybody else is engagement a hundred percent. And it's a great point And it really matters. So we actually just redid our calculation on engagement. Um, and we'll probably change the way that we show it on our platform because it's so important. A few reasons why that you touched upon one, which is just everyone loves him. The other thing could be what he posts is just so good. Now, we all know there are days that we wake up and we're like, oh, we're influencers in our industry. I'm sure you have this too. And we have to put something on social media. So I'll just retweet something or I'll put something out there and I've not really thought about it or I'll put something on at like 1130 at night and I know no one's watching, but I'll do it anyway. And then there are some guys or some days that we wake up and we're like, you know what? I'm going to put up a really good post today that I know is going to resonate. And you see the difference between the athlete that posts because they have to and the athlete that's passionate about posting interesting content, cool pictures of themselves, smiles and pictures, uses the right filters, whatever it may be. Now, obviously, as a brand, if you are relying on social, you want to work with that guy whose content speaks to its audience. Let's talk about sponsorships in general for a second here. From what everything that you see in the marketplace, especially with sports, what are the things and the types of sponsorships or activations that you see have the biggest impact for both the athlete and the brand? I love, um, I call it 360. So I love when you pick up an athlete and even if it is, a, I'm going to use you and I'm going to work with you for a month, do multiple things. So a good example of this is stuff that we did during the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship. So golf, PGA Championship, and U.S. Open tennis, where there's a lot of hype around the, the tournament, the championships, for like a month. And we helped um, brands like Birchbox, Zeal, um, Skin Fix. We helped a recruitment company to do deals with an athlete. And those deals included a logo on the shirt, um, they included PR, they included social, they included interaction with the athlete, and they included free tickets. And the amount that the money that was spent on these deals was anywhere between five and fifteen thousand. So I'm not talking a lot, but the, the what you got out of it was so much. And it comes back to my point of don't think that the athlete just posting on social is going to do that much for you. It's really what more can be driven from it. So a great example is 
let's say, I mean, why don't you guys give me a brand, like a, brand, a product category that you think is of interest to your audience? Um, let's talk about, um, I don't know, let's talk about a CPG brand, right? Like a drink. Cool. So I'm a new drink and um, the rules are pretty strict around drinks. So if I can get away with it, I would obviously want the athlete drinking it, um, drinking the drink while in play. But let's assume that can't happen. And we had this last year in the US Open. What I would want is, let me get my logo on the athlete's collar, somewhere, shirt, back of shirt. It might not even be that visible. But that one picture that I can take will really resonate. Like, look how much we are in bed with this athlete. Second, let's go out to New York Times, USA Today, all of these publications and say, hey, you want access to these athletes. They're super busy. You don't get FaceTime with them. We'll get an article. We'll get you time with this athlete. And if you write an article on like, you know, how do they stay hydrated in the summer? Or let's do something interesting about like their regime or anything that's on point with what that journalist talks about. And in exchange, get the athlete to just drop my name in the article or give me a backlink or something else. So great, I've got PR. Obviously, social's there. Why not do a com- customer competition, which I run on social media, so it's free, that says, like, hey, win a ticket to the US Open to meet this athlete if you tweet at the, uh, Instagram a picture of yourself drinking this drink in an active way. So I've created the combination of, you know, here's the athlete, here's the fact that I'm trying to be healthy, and here's social media. And so just that one deal that I could have paid maybe $6,000 for turns into so much more. Does that make sense? No, that makes absolute sense. And um, as we wrap this up, I'm curious for all of the listeners who are on the brand side and maybe looking to do sponsorships or who are doing sponsorships, what is the number one tip you have for them when looking to do a sponsorship or a partnership with an athlete? Get everyone in your company's buy-in and ideas um, because like I just mentioned, what the biggest problem with sponsorship today has been there's a sponsorship team and they do not sit well with the social marketing team and they do not sit well with the PR team and the other teams. So the small companies that we work with have that opportunity that they don't have this bifurcation or politics internally. So get, say, listen, you know what? Like we did something with Glassdoor and Draymond Green. Hey, we've got this asset that we just paid for for Draymond Green. Does anyone else want to use it in the team? And you'll get your sales team will turn around and be like, oh, can we use a ticket? Oh, can we use that appearance? And someone in the social team will be like, hey, can we do something with this? So get everyone involved with your one asset because there's not really one company, person in your company who would not want to be associated with that athlete. Just so give them the right. Well, awesome. We really appreciate you coming on the Sports Marketing Huddle. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I hope it was interesting. Fascinating. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. As always, thanks for listening. You can subscribe to the Sports Marketing Huddle on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher.